The White House is making two lists, one naughty and one nice. Sound familiar? Tonight, the naughty lists are going to learn that they're going to die from our president. Plus, COVID camps are a thing in Australia. Are they coming to America? We will discuss. And we need to talk about the true Grinch and then get to the real Santa Claus because Santa Claus has some profound Christian roots. Find out why Jesus is the real reason for the guy who gets the headlines every Christmas season. Welcome to your favorite night of the week. This is The Deep End on Tim Hatch Live. So much to talk about, so much to go over today. I don't know if I'm going to have time, but you know what? It's a couple days before Christmas, and I needed to get this content out there. It is Season 5, Episode 13 of The Deep End, and I'm your humble host, Tim Hatch. It's Tim Hatch Live on YouTube. Make sure that you hit that like button. Give it some love for the video, even though you haven't heard the content yet, and subscribe. That's giving the beard some love, and then also, most importantly, make sure you hit that uh notification bell that way you get notified on your smartphone every time we go live we never want you to miss an episode so just before christmas we're going to get lectured by the president why there's some naughty people and there's some nice people in america he's going to tell us about the dark days ahead omicron is spreading like crazy in britain and other parts of the world and america seems to be next and we discuss is the panic justified well i don't think so and that brings me to Deep end news. Deep end news. News and views that don't make us news. So the White House on their website, whitehouse.gov, issued the following statements from President Biden's news conference the other day, where again, he does not take questions, but he definitely lectures Americans that, disagree, that he disagrees with. Here's what he said. We are intent on not letting Omicron disrupt work and school for the vaccinated. You've done the right thing. Yeah, you nice list people. And we will get through this for the unvaccinated naughty people. You're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. Yep, that's the message that the president has decided to send to his fellow Americans. There are good people, there are bad people, and let's excoriate and slander the bad people. They're to blame for everything that goes wrong in the hospitals, should, they hap- should things go wrong in the hospitals this upcoming winter. Now, to be fair and honest, President Trump made an appearance with Bill O'Reilly this week, and he put his support behind the vaccines and the booster shot. He reminded his audience that it was his administration that fast-tracked the vaccine's production and brought us to where we are today, where it is in mass distribution to the citizens of this country. Now, mandates for a brand new vaccine less than one year old, which do not stop death and do not stop you from getting the virus, are a horrible, un-American idea. This is what this is about. Mandates. Now, Trump's not pro-mandate. Biden definitely is, and maybe you are. I am not pro-mandate. I am not anti-vaccine. I am not anti-you being healthy. I am anti-mandates for a new vaccine that was rushed through approval. And thank God for the judges of our country that are striking down Biden's vaccine mandate left, right, and center. Can't catch break with the Justice Department. Thank God. Judicial, judicial branch, sorry, (laughs) Uh, of the United States. Again, the issue is not the vaccine, guys. The issue is the mandates. You know what would cause multitudes of unvaccinated people to get vaccinated? When we stop hearing things like this, Elizabeth Warren and Cory Booker, senators, just tested positive for the coronavirus, though both have been vaxxed and boosted. Now, 
So far, they are both reporting mild symptoms, and we wish them and pray for a speedy recovery for both of them. We want no one to die or suffer through this disease. But when you're vaxxed and boosted and you still get it, and you can still spread it, even though Twitter doesn't let you tell the people that, um, why are the unvaccinated people so naughty when the vaccinated people could spread it as well? Don't you see? And then there's the flood of information during this entire pandemic, the flood of misinformation. All the things that we thought were true that were not true. I mean, the fact of the matter is COVID affects everybody differently. I mean, we've known this from the beginning. There's asymptomatic people. In fact, up to 40% of the cases are asymptomatic. So here's a good chance, even if you've never felt like you had COVID, you may have had COVID. That's why you should go to your doctor and get tested for the antibodies. But the fact of the matter is the, the, the lies, the misinformation, the backtracking, the yesing to masks one day, the knowing to masks the other day. Like even the Atlantic Monthly, by far not a conservative publication, put out this article on the CDC's flawed case for wearing masks in school. The article presents compelling evidence for, for why these mask mandates for children are not really scientific at all. Then there's things like what Dr. Anthony Fauci said this weekend. He said, believe it or not, we are never getting rid of masks on planes. We are never getting rid of masks on planes. Can you believe this? The real virus has been Dr. Fauci's uh, bureaucratic uh, dictatorship. I mean, and people listen to this guy, left, right, and center. You can go on um, Amazon right now. You can get a little cup. In Fauci, we trust. You can get a prayer candle to Dr. Fauci on Amazon right now. We there are There's a segment of the population in this country that has deified this dude. And he's basically telling you, you're never going back to normal. You're never going to stop doing exactly as I tell you, you rotten citizens. I mean, this is where we are. And one of the most things that, one of the most alarming things, no, no, no. One of the most disingenuous things that I have observed over the past 20 two months of the COVID-19 pandemic is the favoritism, right? The favoritism. There's always exceptions for the special people in our culture. Last year, the NFL played a full season with nobody in the stands. It was so stupid. It was so ridiculous. They actually piped in fan sound into the uh, audience sound, into the, into the productions. It was so silly. And I remember watching the games and all the players who were neck and neck, close to each other, face to face, you know, spitting all over each other, sweating all over each other. No masks, but everybody on the sidelines masked up. And it was just like, why are the people who are so close to each other in each other's face not uh, don't have to wear masks? But the people who are coaching them or training them, they have to wear masks. It's theater. It's political theater. It's clown world. Now, Boston, Massachusetts is coming out with a Vax Passport program. January 19th, you're going to have to show a Vax Passport if you want to eat in restaurants or go to public places. I mean, this is Boston, Massachusetts, the home of democracy, the home of freedom-seeking pilgrims. And now it is becoming a totalitarian state with a vaccine passport. But guess what? There's exceptions. Oh, yes, there's exceptions. If you're amongst the special people, i.e. professional athletes, you don't have to submit to the vax mandate. You don't have to show any kind of vax passport. Not you, special people. You celebrities, you overpaid athletes, you, you get to be special because you are part of the folks over there at the Capitol and Pan Am. And I wonder why Boston, Massachusetts is allowing professional athletes to get away without having to have the vaccine. Why? Money. That's why. So here's where we're at. Are you ready? Regular people with sincere convictions about, about this vaccine, right? 
regular people, say like nurses, firemen, first responders, some of whom I have in my church and have lost their job because of their convictions about the vaccine, are now unemployed and considered public outcasts and to blame by the president of the United States for any hospital overload in the upcoming winter. Well, highly paid athletes who literally solve no human problems whatsoever are exempt. And I have no problem with athletes getting paid. I have no, no problem with anybody getting paid what, what people are willing to pay them. That's called America. That's called free market. But this is the crap that makes people skeptical of the vaccines. When there are exceptions for the special people, that, it just drives people crazy. You're going to win no arguments here if you keep doing this kind of thing, liberal politicians. I mean, at least the Brooklyn Nets held to their stance that you can't play unless you're vaxxed, and Kyrie Irving held to his stance that he wouldn't play because he's not going to get vaxxed. Actually, I think that he's going to start playing now anyway. Um, but for a little while there, at least they were honest. At least they were, at least they were consistent with their convictions. But people are, you know, the government, the federal government is always worried, wondering, why aren't people just going with the flow? Why aren't they doing what you tell them? Because of this kind of nonsense, because of this kind of favoritism for the special people. This, this, this absent-minded favoritism that is out there playing as day. Now, shifting gears, we got to talk about the real Grinch of the Christmas season. Going on two years straight, his name is Dr. Anthony Fauci. Dr. Anthony Fauci is just intent on making sure that you never have a normal Christmas again. You never have a normal holiday celebration with friends and family again without checking their vaccine status or their negative test status, right? That's, that's his plan now for your next, this Christmas is make sure before you have people over, you have them properly vetted. And if not properly vetted, maybe avoid them. Setting us against each other. Don't you see how it's the capital setting the 11 districts against each other? Don't you see we have become the Hunger Games Anyway, I'm reading a book called The Real Dr. Anthony Fauci by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Can't recommend this book enough, and I'm only like two chapters in. It is fantastic. I encourage you to get it. Some highlights on America and COVID. You see, because America and COVID do not have the greatest of relationships. I don't know if you know that or not. America, the real problem is not COVID. The real problem is the misinformation the favoritism amongst our political elite and uh, ruling class, and our own health issues. We are an unhealthy nation. And we wouldn't need all of this overreaction to this virus if we just took care of ourselves. But right now, America is in the middle of this, this momentous and seismic shift from being a free country where we used to be about liberty and the pursuit of happiness to now we're shifting over to the government should be solving all my problems and making all my life come together in a way that I am comfortable with. And that is why we have given more and more credence to our governmental leaders. We have consistently elected those who want to shape every aspect of our life and promise us handouts and bailouts and special favors again and again, i.e. stimulus payments that never end and make people sit at home on the couch and play video games instead of actually contributing to the economy and to the social order. And instead of taking care of our bodies and being healthy and going for a jog, no, we'd rather just let the government inject us with magic fluid that'll make us impervious to any kind of death. All the while forgetting that death is an inevitable part of life. The moment you were born, you began dying. Don't know if you know that or not, but the mortality rate amongst humans is still hovering at right around 100%. 
and all the misinformation and all the censorship from big tech, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all of this apparent lack of transparency within our governmental leadership is what's causing all of America to start turning on each other. When now more than ever, we need to get back to the roots of what America makes America, America, freedom and liberty and letting people live as they see fit. <sighs> this is where we are. And this is a serious problem. America and COVID though, back to my point from the book, the real Dr. Anthony Fauci. So America and COVID, the, the, the relationship has not been good. And I don't know if you know the stats, but I'm going to share them with you that I found from the book. America makes up 4% of the world's population but equals 14.5% of the COVID deaths worldwide. Why? Because we're unhealthy. The life expectancy in this country decreased 1.9 years, 3.9 years for Hispanics and 3.25 years for blacks. The suicide rates of teens rose 50%. Infants born during quarantine were short on average 22 IQ points in standardized testing. And by the way, 30% rise in overdose deaths. In 2020, more to come on the numbers in 2021 later, they're even worse. Oh, this is interesting. 40% of black owned businesses were closed as a result of the COVID response in America. The average workers lost $3.7 trillion in income. Here's the real, real income inequality problem, people. The average worker in America lost $3.7 trillion in income. Overall, all the average American workers, right? Guess what happened to the billionaires? They gained $3.9 trillion. So literally almost $4 trillion went from average Americans into the pockets of America's billionaires during the COVID pandemic. 493 Americans became billionaires. Bill Gates gained $22 billion in wealth. Zuckerberg, $35 billion. Sergey Brin of Google, $41 billion. Jeff Bezos, $86 billion. So it pays to be in the ruling class making decisions for you district one through 11 people on how you should live your life. And the news is even worse with all of our technology and all of our health industry and all of our medical professionals. Dr. Anthony Fauci's report card, this is straight from the book, on COVID-19 death rates in America are abysmal. America is top of the list of industrial, actually top of the list of all countries in terms of deaths per million. So this is right out of the book. United States, number one, 2,107 deaths per million. Sweden is second with 1,444. A 700 deaths per million decrease from first America to second Sweden. Skip all the way down. Just look at some of those numbers. China, three deaths per million. Now, I don't know if we can trust China's number. But Japan, 139 deaths per million. Vietnam. 197 deaths per million. Tanzania, 0.86 deaths per million. I mean, Cuba, for heaven's sakes, 650 deaths per million. Again, communist country, who knows if we can trust the, uh, the, the statistics and the reporting. Dr. Anthony Fauci makes $417,000 per year. He makes $150,000 per vaccine that he helps get approved through the FDA process. He has a vested financial stake in making us get these vaccines. And over his last 50 years of being America's highest paid bureaucrat and America's quote unquote doctor, America's health has suffered tragic results 
That brings me to America's health over the last 50 years. Children born after 1984, by all every statistical uh, measure, are the sickest generation in American history. In 1972, America was the healthiest country in the world. By August 2021, the, stat, the stats show that we are dead last among industrialized countries in average overall health in industrialized countries. Asthma, eczema, food allergies have all exploded since 1989. Autism grew from one in 2,500 in 1984 to one in 34 today. This is all under Dr. Anthony Fauci's watch. Obesity, diabetes, and prediabetes will de debilitate 85% of American citizens by the end of this decade. And you say, well, how did this all happen? Like, where does it all come from? What's going on? All this has happened since the explosion of the federal budget given to Dr. Anthony Fauci, whose first answer to everything is stick him with the vaccine. Now, why? Follow the money. In the book, <laughs> he writes about this. The FDA receives 45% of his budget from the pharmaceutical industry. The FDA, which approves the meats we eat, the foods, the, the, the liquids we drink, I mean, almost everything. And 45% of his budget is paid for by the pharmaceutical industry? We're becoming a drugged-up nation. And this is why people do not trust the vaccine mandates. Government and the pharmacies are in lockstep league with each other to do something to us. I don't know. And I've got no problem if you took the vaccine or you got, got the booster. And I applaud anyone for making their own particular choice. That's your choice. It's your body. But the government should not be forcing the, 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 the citizens to take the jab when they don't feel comfortable about taking the jab. Now, on the good news side of the whole pandemic, Omicron is out and it is now the dominant variant in the U.S. 73% of the cases in the U.S. are now from the Omicron variant, which is actually good news because as I will put here up on the screen, that side by side, we're looking at the U.K. now of new cases and deaths, new cases to the top, which is skyrocketing as of late December, but new deaths are actually going down as of late December. So while the COVID-19 case rate is escalating and it's probably going to sweep through this country very quickly and very swiftly. The death rate is actually decreasing, which is actually very good. What we have here is a less potent version of this virus, a far less potent version, almost 40% less lethal, according to this data, data uh, far more contagious, but 40% less lethal of a virus that was only 0.3% lethal in the first place. So that's actually pretty good. But it's not stopping the governments of this world from going absolutely full totalitarian. And that brings me to Australia. I don't know if you've heard, but Australia has something called COVID camps. Yes, COVID camps, where they put you in camp for 14 days because you may have been, you may have been positive. You may have been near somebody who tested positive. Or you may have lied about testing at all. Such was the case of a woman named Haley Hodgson. This is from realclearpolitics.com. And she was locked up for 14 days in an internment camp in Australia. She said, you feel like you're in prison. You feel like you're subhuman, treated as a second-class citizen. Mind you, she never once, never once tested positive for COVID, never had COVID. But she was locked for 14 days in a little cubicle, in a little, you know, 8 by 10 room with a 4 by 6 deck. And the um, 
you know, Ministry of Propaganda down there in Australia. I keep talking about how it's like a vacation, a paid vacation where you get internet and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and this woman lost her job as a result. And she talks about how she felt anxiety and was starting to stress out because she couldn't go anywhere. You had to stay either on the deck or in the room the whole time. And she just wanted to go for a walk. They wouldn't let her. They said, next time you want to go for a walk, let us know. We'll offer you Valium. Our doctors will prescribe Valium for you. So this is, again, the pharmaceutical industry plugging us full of drugs to make us shut up and live the way that they want us to live. I mean, this is where we are. And someone that I had a conversation with about these COVID camps, someone that I have a conversation with, I couldn't believe the response. I said, have you heard about these COVID, you know, these COVID camps? Oh yeah, I saw them, but you know, come on, people are comparing it to the Nazi camps. They're not that bad. Like that's our answer. That's why you're not freaking out about this. Like you understand how the Nazis did it, right? They didn't immediately move the Jews into the concentration camps. They moved them into the ghettos. They first, you know, divided them over onto one side of the city and then slowly took them from the ghettos into the concentration camps. That's how it works. All my life, I have wondered, how on earth did the Nazis get away with doing what they did? And now we're watching it happen. And people that I talked to are like, yeah, well, it's not that big deal. It's, it's not right to compare it to what it was like back in the 19, you know, 1940s. I mean, this is exactly the problem. Ignorance is the problem. Um, and, and, and the citizens of our country just willfully embrace ignorance and, and think it is not going to happen again. It's not going to happen again. That's exactly probably what they were saying in 1930 Germany. Now you see how fascism Fascism comes to countries. What the honest heck? Honestly. Think it's not coming to America? Think again. This out of the state of New York from the National Pulse. The title of the article, New York legislation provides for indefinite detention of unvaccinated at governor's whim. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, there is a bill on the books or not in the, on the books yet, but in the legislature of the New York Senate, and somebody wrote this bill that would grant the governor permission to detain people based on a, quote, significant threat to public health, and they would be removed from public life on an indefinite basis. The article goes on and says, the bill gives the governor of New York his or her delegates including but not limited to the commissioner and heads of local health departments, the right to remove and detain any individuals or groups of people through issuing a single order. The orders only have to include the individual's name or, quote, reasonably specific descriptions of the individuals or groups. The department can decide to hold a person or group of people in a medical facility or any other they deem appropriate. The language is purposefully vague. And most of all, it says this. It goes on to state that the bill will require an individual who has been exposed to or infected by a contagious disease to complete an appropriate prescribed course of treatment, preventative medication, or vaccination, essentially giving the government the right to detain anyone they want for and forcibly vaccinate them. So this is where we are. American liberties are being ripped away from us slowly, one at a time. It's frog in the kettle. You don't kill the frog by throwing it in the boiling water. He'll jump out. You put the, the, the frog in regular water and you slowly turn the temperature up and the frog dies a slow, inevitable death. Think this is fake news? No, here's a picture of the, um, from the uh, New York Senate website. I took it, uh, screenshotted it from my computer, went there myself, read the, uh, read the bill myself. It's not being voted on. It's not scheduled to be voted on, but it has been written. It's ready at any time to be presented before the New York Senate. And before you know it, COVID camps could be coming to the shores of the good old USA. This is where we are.
Meanwhile, serious problems all over the world, and no one seems to care, like the exponential growth of fentanyl overdoses. This chart on the right, on the left, sorry, shows that there is now, on average, 64,000 fentanyl overdoses per year. And many tie the death and the overdose rate increase to the pandemic, and most importantly, to the stimulus payments we keep getting from the federal government because people have more and more money in their hands and some people have no responsibility. You see, giving a lot of things to a lot of people with little responsibility is not actually good for the people. So many people think, oh, we're just supposed to help the poor, help the poor, help people, help people, give money, money, give money. It's so noble. It's so right. No, 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 it's not always right. Sometimes helping hurts. In fact, there's a book you should read. It's called When Helping Hurts. Sometimes giving money to the poor actually hurts the poor. Sometimes it keeps them poor. Sometimes it causes family breakdown because men do not have to take responsibility for the children that they bear. This is how you get in the system, dependent on the system. Section 8 housing. And if you ever own anything, you're off the government dole and you have to take a big risk to get out of the system. And we're becoming more and more dependent as a country on the government, on stimulus payments, on free money that's never really free because eventually it comes for our liberties. This is the world. This is what's happening right now. And that's who the real Grinch is. Dr. Anthony Fauci. I got to be honest with you. I'm sick of playing it safe with Dr. Anthony Fauci. He has me politicked. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't played that for a while so I just thought I would. All right. Well, you know, it's a perfect time of the year to not give in to fear. Look, Jesus Christ has already come to save us. And Jesus Christ is coming back to deliver us. You know, there's a whole book about this in the Bible. It's called the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, by the way, in Revelation 13, it talks about the mark of the beast. And the mark of the beast is probably on its way to the world. <laughs> right now, check this out. There is a Swedish company that is producing a microchip that can get embedded under your skin and be your functional vaccine passport. Yep, it's coming. Revelation is happening. Never in my lifetime did I think that I would see how the Nazis took power and literally uh, ostracized and then eliminated six million Jews. Never, never in my life did I see, would ever imagine I would see how that could happen. And never in my life did I ever imagine I would see how the Mark of the Beast would become a thing. Like my grandfather was a pastor for 30 years back in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And I, you know, I used to go listen to him preach and he would talk about the Mark of the Beast and he would talk about all these end times things. And I'd be like, yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's in the Bible, but I don't see it happening. Now it could happen. <laughs> now it's actually unfolding in my generation. I never thought it could. One world order? I mean, this is not that far away. We, we have a, 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 a corporate conglomerate multinational conglomerate that all works together that all scratches each other's back and then we have a big tech giant that keeps makes makes sure that only certain words and only certain truths are sh are shared and and only certain ideas are you know allowed we are in revelation territory by the way if you want to re uh, catch up with some of the last episodes that we did on revelation check out our season two content where we went verse by verse through the book of revelation and talked about the realities of the dictator beast and one world government and the plagues and the end time events and how the mark of the beast relates to us today are we being groomed for it probably to be honest with you probably anyway let's change gears and let's now move to the story 
of Christmas, because after all, we're only a few days away from it, and we should actually have joy in the season. We're going to talk about the real Santa Claus, because the real Santa Claus has his roots in Jesus Christ. And that brings me to the Deep Endopedia. Yeah, in honor of Advent season, I want to talk about Santa because Santa has taken center stage from the guy that actually made him who he was. <laughs> now, I've got a lot of detail about this, and I'm going to go through it very quickly, but I just want to maybe help some of you parents teach your kids about Santa because a lot of Christians wrestle with this. What do I teach my kids about Santa? Should I, should I encourage Santa? Should I not let them believe in Santa? And you know what? Here's a little bit of advice as a pastor. Please you know, keep your convictions to your own family, right? My family had certain convictions about Santa and I'll tell you what they are if you want me to, but I don't think I need to. And we just celebrated our way about Santa. You can celebrate your way about Santa. And sometimes what happens in churches is the kids who are taught not to believe in Santa tell the kids who are taught that Santa's a thing that Santa's not real. And uh, I've had that happen on several, several times in my church as a pastor, but Parents, maybe you should just educate yourself real quickly along with this content so that you can help your kids understand that Santa Claus actually has his roots in Jesus Christ. The true, Santa, the true story of Santa, I found this website, uh, the SaintNicholasCenter.org. Put it up on the screen here. Great article on who is St. Nicholas. It talks about this. The true story of Santa Claus begins with Nicholas, who was born during the third century in the village of Patara uh, in Asia Minor. At the time, it was Greek, and now it's on the southern coast of Turkey. His wealthy parents raised him to be a devout Christian. His parents, kind of ironically now in this season, died in an epidemic while Nicholas was still young. And he was raised, again, a devout Christian, and he wanted to obey Jesus' words with all of his money that his parents left him as an inheritance to, quote, sell what you own and give the money to the poor. So Nicholas, little Nicholas, used his inheritance to assist the needy, the sick, the suffering. He dedicated his life to serving God and was made Bishop of Mira along, uh, while still a young man. Bishop Nicholas became known throughout the land for his generosity to those in need. He became known for his love for children and his concern for sailors and ships. Why sailors and ships? Because that was the most dangerous way to travel in the ancient world or in the, uh, you know, the post-AD uh, era. And in many ways, it still is, but it was really bad back then. And so concern for sailors and ships was a big deal. Uh, the article goes on. It says, under the Roman emperor Diocletian, who ruthlessly persecuted Christians, Bishop Nicholas suffered for his faith, was exiled and imprisoned. So he suffered for Jesus. That's pretty cool. The prisons were so full of bishops and priests and deacons, there was no room for the real criminals and murders. That kind of sounds like modern day Canada. I don't know if you remember the content from last season with all the all the pastors going to prison in Canada and all the uh, rioters and looters getting let out in America. Anyway, so the prisons were full of bishops, priests, and deacons. No room for real criminals, murderers, thieves, and robbers. After his release, Nicholas attended the Council of Nicaea in AD 325. He died on December 6th in AD 343 in Myra and was buried in his cathedral church where a unique relic called manna formed in his grave. The liquid substance said to have healing powers fostered the growth and devotion to Nicholas. The anniversary of his death became the day of celebration. St. Nicholas's Day is December 6th or December 19th on the Julian calendar. So after his death, uh, Nicholas kind of enters into mythological status. Now here's one of the real problems with uh, the Catholic idea of sainthood where we kind of 
exalt dead saints to this almost deity-like status. They don't officially call them deity, but they encourage prayers to the saints. You know, they have they have candles that you light to the saints, little you know ornaments to the saints, and all that kind of stuff. This, this is where the that, this creates a problem because you can't police how some people are going to respond to the the sainthood of certain saints. They become legends. They be, they they go beyond. Um, people that we should uh you know honor and respect and revere to people that we should kind of look to for you know supernatural hope and assistance that's what happened to bishop nicholas from uh patara in uh, ad 343 he entered into mythological status legendary status he was credited with a bunch of you know uh, miraculous uh, uh, salvations for people such as Stopping a violent storm to save doomed sailors uh, as a ghost-like figure on the water. Or donating money to a father forced to sell his daughters into prostitution. Or even restoring, a life, restoring to life a trio of boys that had been dismembered by uh, a savage, brutal killer. Today, Nicholas is considered the patron saint of sailors, of children, of wolves, which is kind of interesting. And uh, pawnbrokers, <laughs> among others. But uh, his inspirational f- uh, life is the root story of modern-day Santa Claus. And he became Santa Claus the following, the following way. Let's, let's go through this. So he dies, A.D. 343, enters into mythological status, and then this slow metamorphosis into Santa Claus happens this way. So in the 300s, he's a real Christian benefactor and minister. From the 400s to 1200s, legends, myths, fables, who knows, start to develop, get shared. This is the Dark Ages. This is the Middle Ages, so on and so forth. You get to the 1500s, and uh, Northern Europeans start to celebrate and commemorate his life, and they name him Sinterklaas, a tall, red-robed cleric who would leave gifts or lumps of coal in the house where children lived. Um, And then the tradition uh, actually comes to America through Dutch immigrants, so they brought this, you know, Northern European legend of Sinterklaas to the U.S. in 1773. Then a couple of um, writings, Washington Irving's History of New York, Washington Irving from uh, Sleepy Hollow fame, writes a book called History of New York, and he creates this St. Nicholas character, a portly Dutchman who flew through the skies in a wagon, dropping gifts down chimneys uh, in, in the 1800s. And then the famous poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas, by Clement Clark Moore in 1882, kind of establishes Santa Claus into current uh, cultural vernacular as this, uh, you know, bearded, uh, red-robed slayman with eight tiny reindeer uh, distributing gifts to children on Christmas Eve night. Becomes a federal holiday in America in 1870, just for fun facts. In 1890, the first store Santa Claus is born in none other than Brockton, Massachusetts. Well, the Salvation Army sees the success that the store had by bringing in a Santa, so they bring in Santas across all their locations to raise money for the poor. And then Macy's sees the success of Santa raising money for the poor, so Macy's used Santa to raise money for her stockholders. And then capitalism takes over, and that's where we are to this day. So so all that we know about uh, Santa Claus has had this long transitionary metamorphosis from saintly devoted follower of Jesus into this, you know, tycoon of capitalism, this, 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 you know, portrait of American consumer consumerism. But all that to say, and this is important, that the real Saint Nick, 
ladies and gentlemen, was a born-again Christian, a devoted follower of Jesus. He lived according to Jesus' words. How about that? A Christian who actually does what Jesus said to do. And he gave his life in service of Jesus and the poor. All that to say this, most importantly, kids, you don't get Santa Claus without Jesus Christ. Okay, follow. If there's no Jesus, there's no Nicholas in the 300s who gets saved, whose parents die, and he follows the words and teachings of Jesus Christ, his Savior, and giving gifts to the poor and making sure that he gives and doesn't take. You don't get Santa Claus without Jesus Christ. So let's be honest about this time of year. I love it how Halloween comes around. We're all like, happy Halloween. And Thanksgiving comes around and like, happy Thanksgiving. And Christmas comes around and is like, oh, happy holidays. Like, I love how suddenly now it's holidays. Um, interestingly enough, the word holiday is actually also from the Bible because it's holy day. And the idea of holy day comes from the Jewish tradition of the holy days that God gave them on their calendar in the book of Leviticus and Exodus. Okay, so even when people say, happy holiday as a secular substitute for Merry Christmas, they're actually doing something very biblical by acknowledging there's such a thing as holy days as established by God. Just food for thought. But all that to say this, ladies and gentlemen, it's Christmas time. It's Christmas. Yes. It's not holiday season. It's Christmas. And you know, when you're in the store and you're always worried about whether you should say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays because heaven forbid they're a Jew or heaven forbid they're a Muslim. Guess what? 93% of Americans report celebrating Christmas. 93%. So you got a nine, better than a 9 in 10 chance of meeting another Christmas celebrator. Say Merry Christmas freely. You got a good chance of getting Merry Christmas back. 85% of non-religious Americans celebrate Christmas. The gift-giving concept comes from the Christian tradition. The lights represent Jesus, who is the light of the world. And Jesus was probably not born on December 25th, but the Catholic Church decided to commemorate his birth on December 25th. Why? Because it follows the shortest day of the year in terms of light. And the time of year when it's darkest, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, who is for us the end of darker days and the beginning of brighter ones. Isn't that wonderful? So it's close to that time of year. It's getting very, very dark. It's going to be darker today or tomorrow than any other day of the year, whatever that is. I don't know which day it is exactly every year. It's kind of different, but the birth of Jesus is celebrated to teach us every year that his arrival on this planet, his arrival brings us light. As John writes in John 1, 4 to 5, in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So what should you do as a parent about Christmas and Santa? Here's what you should do. You should make your own choice. You should teach your children, if you're a Christian, about the fact that Jesus was the true inspiration behind the true Saint Nick. You should teach your kids about how Americans, or not Americans, I'm sorry, you should teach your kids about how humans have this terrible propensity to ele elevate God's servants or Jesus' servants instead of elevating Jesus. For instance, sometimes we deify our pastors and our church leaders. Sometimes we get more upset about who's not preaching in the pulpit than who that person is preaching about. Sometimes we need to remember that the object of our faith is not a servant of Jesus, but Jesus Christ himself. Remember that no pastor shed his blood for you. No missionary died for you. Jesus died that your soul might have peace with God and everlasting life. 
in his presence. He alone deserves your worship. He alone deserves your honor. And he alone is your God and creator. Worship him. Celebrate him. Give gifts in his name. Want to wrap up presents and put it on the tree and put Santa's name on it for your kids to have fun? Be my guest. It's your choice. We live in a country that used to believe in the liberty of choices. Let's get it back around Christmas. And let's not legislate or legalize how Christians celebrate Christmas. Everyone, mind your own business and don't look down on others who do it differently than you. Now, to close out this episode, one little touch of humor. What did one snowman say to the other? Well, he said this, don't be absurd. Nobody made us. We evolved by chance from snowflakes. <laughs> Why did I hear that? I don't know. I saw it on the internet and I thought it was funny. Anyway, guys, I'm so glad that you were here just to make sure you know there's no deep dive study tomorrow night. I got to actually do some last minute Christmas shopping as usual. So yeah, don't tune in, but thanks for being here. If you can support the channel, the cash app, Tim Hatch Live or timhatchlive.com slash support. And as usual, if you haven't already, like the video, subscribe, give the beard some love, and make sure you click that notification bell to get notified every time we go live. It has been an absolute pleasure bringing you this content. I hope it helps you. I hope it blesses you. And I hope you get the books that I recommend and read up for yourself on the stats of what's going on in our one country because your freedom and your future and your children's future depends on you. But until then, Merry Christmas. And I will, in fact, see you next week here on The Deep End. God bless.